Welcome to Life's Rich Tapestry, a podcast exploring the narrative of people's layered lives. Listen in on courageous conversations spoken from the heart. Gain insight into another's life as we tackle compelling topics which will expand your mind, help you gain perspective, and might even inspire you to do things differently. My name is Evelyn, and I look forward to your company. And welcome to another episode of Life's Rich Tapestry. My next guest, Asha, is the general manager of Grace Funerals and Blue Mountains Funerals. Along with her father, Tom, they have owned their business for over 10 years and have a collective experience of over 30 years in the funeral industry. Along with their committed team, they are dedicated to offering the highest quality of service, the deepest care and compassion and the most memorable experience possible. And I'd like to welcome Asha to the show. Welcome, Asha. Thanks, Evelyn. Thank you so much for having me. And um, congratulations on the podcast. It's a wonderful new addition um, from your repertoire. Okay, no, great. Thank, oh, thank you so much. That's that's lovely, Asha. I just wanted to start at the beginning, um, just, just to get a sense of, of who you are. So where did you grow up and what did you study and what were your earlier jobs? So originally I was, this might be taking it too far back, but I was born in Melbourne, but I grew up in Sydney and I grew up on the North Shore of Sydney. And then when I was uh, 19, I decided to move back to Melbourne to do my first degree, which was a Bachelor of Business. After I did my Bachelor of Business, I then decided to travel and I ended up in London. And then from London, I ended up in a sort of convoluted way into the Middle East. And all of that time I'd been working in hotels. So I did about a decade in five-star hotels, everything from checking people in to picking up bags to running the telephone room and things like that. It then moved more into a sales role. When I was in London, I moved into sales and events. And then in the Middle East, I was the training manager and uh, progressed through to the assistant director of training of uh, the assistant director of HR and learning and development was my final role before I came back to Sydney to become a funeral director. Okay, and now so when was it decided that you would work with your father? What what year was it then that you moved over from the Middle East? I came home in 2013 and we'd made the decision in 2013, depending on which one of us you ask, I remember the story that I was ready to come home and I was ready to make a change out of hotels. As wonderful as the career had been, it was very clear that my career could only progress in very senior ways outside of Australia and I had always known that Australia was where I really wanted to be and I really wanted to be in your family and friends. So I remember asking Dad if he had a position available in his new business because uh, they had had businesses in Victoria previously but had bought Blue Mountains Funerals back in 2012 and they were in the process of buying Grace Funerals and Dad really wanted a hand with Grace Funerals because it was a much bigger operation with two businesses and he thought that with all of my skill set, which is highly complementary to the funeral industry, that I would be a good link and at the same time I wanted to come home. So I think we, it was all just really good timing for everybody. I, I really was ready to come home and Dad really did want another family member in the business and I was the logical choice. So that's how it sort of all happened. But I think we remember it differently. He thinks he asked me, I think he asked, <laughs> I asked him. So it's not very good. 
I mean, I, I do think, you know, events is very similar, of course, to the funeral industry. So you probably naturally, was it a natural progression or how different was it hotels to funerals? Honestly, I've, the thing about funerals for me is that I find it was all of the favourite bits of all of the different jobs that I'd done then became becoming a funeral director and probably more a small business owner as well. So I had been in HR and I still get to run the HR function. I Running events was something I'd always loved. And a funeral is an event. It's a really, really important event. Mm-hmm. So I had that background. I've also got sort of something like three decades worth of customer service experience from various jobs from childhood through to today. And that is all, everything that we do is really customer service. So if you can understand who you, in our case, client families, who our client family is and what they want, try and anticipate their needs. And I mean, it all comes down to listening. And that's all the hotel, you know, the hotel industry was a great apprenticeship for me into the funeral industry because it taught me what really great service looks like. And we try so hard to emulate that into our company now. And I think we, I think we do, you know, I think we do a pretty good job of it. Our client feedback's fairly, fairly good. So I think we're getting there. I mean, we're we're people, so we do make mistakes, but we try our best at every turn. And I think that comes across. Yeah, I I know that, uh, that when I first started working in the funeral industry, I did have somebody say to me that, you know, um, the funeral is like the best customer service you can ever provide. And I think also my past experience of work, uh, because I used to work in hotels as well, but also Mm. as a flight attendant for almost uh, Mm. for eight years. So that also has played into it as well, because we are relating to many different people as well. So I know that you were also part of the Australian Funeral Directors Association. You were, I think you were their president, is that correct? So I'm current. I'm currently the president of the New South Wales ACT division. Okay. And I also sit on the executive of the National Council, and I'm currently the junior vice president of the National Council of the Australian Funeral Directors Association as well. And the AFDA, as we call it, is the what we'd call the premier um, association in the industry. It's the peak national body, so it's the largest national body. And we have the we look after the greatest number of funerals across Australia each year to compare to the other associations. Are the regulations different in the different states, or are they all the same? Is that why there's all the like you're in the New South Wales? Is that what you said? The New so, South Wales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I sit on the national division, which is the Australia wide, and then also in New South Wales. So the way that the association is set up is that each state has its own council or some, you know, we we, we partner with the ACT because it's too small to have its own. But um, so each state or territory has its own council, but then we do sort of have a national body as well, which helps with um, direction and, and the main advocacy. Now, in terms of regulation, the industry in general is heavily under-regulated, in my opinion. We sit under different sets of regulation. So each state essentially, and I can really only talk to New South Wales properly because that's the regulation I understand the most because it's the only place I've been a funeral director. We sit under the Health Act of New South Wales and they have, uh, quite frankly, minimal uh, regulation for the industry in the Health Act, and most of that is around the care of the deceased. There's some regulation around prepaid funerals, which sits under some financial regulations. And then Fair Trading now has a regulation in regards to having price transparency on websites. Other than that, there's there's no regulation in the industry. So anyone can pretty much be a funeral director. And one of the reasons we're part of the AFDA is because the AFDA is for 150 odd years or something like that has had a code of conduct 
And we also do what we call our PEV or our premises equipment and vehicle inspections. So we self-regulate within our association. It's important to us, one, to make sure that we're certainly standing at best practice as a company, which is why the association is so good, because you've got so many great minds in it that are helping you keep on top of everything and make sure you're sitting at best practice constantly. But also it's peace of mind for our client families that there is an independent person coming in to check that we are doing what we say. So we have full facilities, we've got full vehicles, equipment, mortuary, things Mm -hmm. like that. And we have some, an independent person come in and physically inspect that we're using those those facilities in the way that they're intended to be used and and again to best practice so that's that's one of the main benefits of the association that and you just get you're able to really bounce ideas off some really incredibly smart people and that's always it's always the best way to help your business grow and make sure you're doing like best like I said again best practice across the industry there's another type of provider in the industry which they don't have any premises so they don't even necessarily have an office essentially run from their their living room or something like that so you can you could run a funeral business because there's no barriers to entry and there's no requirements to being a funeral director if you knew what you were doing essentially with a laptop a mobile and a mobile phone you can run a funeral business and one of the things about the AFDA is that we like to know that the care of the deceased the deceased is being really heavily cared for and, and really well cared for and so that's why uh, we do require our full members to have their own facilities including mortuary. There seems to be a lot of online funeral directors that have sprouted up in New South Wales. Are they able to apply at the AFDA? It really depends on the business model as to whether they're able to apply. So I don't know how each of the businesses run in terms of whether they have their own equipment and vehicles. Being an online provider specifically doesn't cut you out of AFDA membership. It's just whether they've got their own premises, vehicles and equipment, which ensures that the deceased is cared for in an appropriate way and that we can check that the deceased has been cared for in an appropriate way. Certainly having different models of of how people are able to access different types of funerals, that doesn't cut you out of the AFDA. That's just a different way of doing business. But you still need to meet all of the basic membership requirements before you could apply for and then be accepted as a member. Do families, do they actually ask about that when they call or how does that work? I don't get asked about it a lot. However, I do believe that the that our client families are very discerning and I think that they do a lot of web research before coming to us on the telephone. And the reason I think they do this is because, one, we've got the Google traffic to see what parts of our website they go to and the AFDA page is looked at, as is the direct AFDA website independently looked at. Um, but also we know from some of the questions that people ask us on the phone, you can tell that they've done their research and that mm. they are looking around at other funeral directors. So they don't sort of tend to ask us about it directly so much, but I think it is still important to families if they're aware of the existence of membership organisations like the AFDA. What are the main questions that family asks? I mean, do they, is price a part of that or do they ask other questions? I would say the most common question that I get asked from someone who is in the early stages of planning a funeral service is, what is the cost of a funeral? And the reason I think I get asked that question is because people don't really know what else to ask. So I really like it as a question because it allows me to ask the family or the person that I'm talking to a number of other questions to draw out what it is that they would like for a funeral and then to give them some ideas of what they can have for a funeral service. So there's no one set cost for a funeral. It's as long as a piece of string, depending on what someone might like. And and our main role is really to listen 
And then to guide our client families in the correct direction. Now, that correct direction could be to, you know, no funeral or it could be, which is unlikely because we know from a grief perspective that that is difficult, but it could also be to, say, a full Catholic funeral mass or it could be to one of what we call a more alternative or fresh approach to a funeral such as an outdoor venue or their backyard or somewhere that's unique to the client family. And so... By listening to the families, we can get there. And that first question that I often get asked by most people is, how much does a funeral cost? And then we just take the conversation from there because normally that's just a a lead-in question to try and get more information about a funeral. Yeah, that's right. And you're you're absolutely right. They probably don't know what else else to ask. So in recent years, have you noticed that customers want different things or is there like a trend that's happening currently right now? I think people just in general, whether we're talking about funerals or anything else, I think people are in general um, more aware of options and what their choices are. And I think the internet's been fabulous for this. Mm-hmm. People are aware, I would like to think that if, I would like to think that if they spent, you know, any time just on our website, that they would be able to understand that they can do whatever they like. And we do have people coming with a more sort of open mind as to different alternative options. Having said that, our traditional options are still very heavily sort of used and, and asked for. But we I do notice that people are sort of trying to add more personalization, make the funeral experience different, make it more suited to their loved one. And just remembering everyone's loved one's different. So for some people, having a small service in a in a crematorium chapel, for example, that is the perfect funeral service. And for other people, it has to be outdoors. So just every single person was different. And so every funeral needs to be different too. That's right. And how has COVID changed the funeral industry? I mean, all the same things that it's changed the rest of the world. We're much more tech savvy. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done a lot more funeral arrangements over Zoom than I had before, even though the technology was available earlier. So we also have live streaming is pretty standard now, whereas before it was more unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great because that means that if you've got a person that's close to you in London that really can't get there, they don't have to miss out now. We've had, during the height of COVID, we did some really fun things. We even had a celebrant in a different country leading the funeral in Sydney for us, which was fantastic. Wow, um, wow. Because she couldn't get there for obvious reasons and the family wanted her to lead the service. And I think that day we also had sort of something like 40 different countries on a live stream um, just so everyone could be involved when, and in the room, I think we were only allowed about 10 people. So that was a really interesting one. I think COVID made us all sit back and assess what was important. And I can see that coming through in funerals. So there is more technology, but I think people are taking the time to have a think a bit more about what kind of personalization options they might like, because we've sort of learned that all of those things, little things are really important after spending so much time away from loved ones. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. Now, what have you found to be the most challenging part of your job? Oh, now that's a good question, because I really enjoy my job. And I quite like a challenge. So for me, a challenge is a little bit of fun, depending on what the challenge is. I mean, there's the the very obvious, and no one likes to talk about this, but there are funeral services that we do that are really very tragic. And I've got to say, they're the ones that we find the most challenging. So when a young person has passed away or, or a child, um, and then caring for that family to make what is legitimately the worst thing that could happen, trying to make that experience from a funeral perspective as easy as possible. I've got to say emotionally that's the most challenging thing 
that we do and and it's it, look it's hard but we're all professionals and we're all trained to make sure that we can handle these things but that that's always hard yeah and are there any sort of special techniques that you and your staff do for debriefing maybe after a funeral like that we all talk to each other so we not we use each other to lean on each other because we find that um, our team are the ones that understand the most. On top of that, there is a client confidentiality sort of policy that we have where we don't allow our staff to talk about anything that's happened at work that's not public information. We don't allow that to be talked about at home because that wouldn't that would break our client confidentiality. So we use each other to lean on each other. And I would be lying to you if I didn't say that there are days that I don't go home and have a glass of wine because certainly that's a requirement. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I, I I understand. Wow. And so what has been the most interesting request at a ceremony that you've found and you thought, oh, wow, this is kind of a good idea? Oh, I think we um, we sort of learn from our client families regularly. What's the most interesting one? All of the, I find all of our families really interesting. So I find this a very hard question to answer because it's, um, it's, uh, I don't know. We've done so many. I've done so many funerals. Um, I like an interesting location. So we once did a funeral service. I don't know if I should say this because it's a little bit dumb. I call it, I'm going to though. Um, I call this my gorilla funeral. We once did, um, there was a fun, There was a location that was very um, close to the family, but there was no way to ask for permission to use the location. So we just went anyway and it was fine. It was actually, and the family loved it because it was such a beautiful outdoor location. Everyone bought picnic rugs and we sat on the ground and it was in a bushwalking area and some of the bushwalkers just stopped and joined in. And it was really, it was a really very lovely one that was probably that one stands out for me. We've had dogs come and walk the deceased out of a funeral service before, which was really lovely. And I've certainly had a number of dogs come and have viewings, which has been nice. Oh, that's um, interesting. So sorry. So how, how would a dog walk out? How would a dog walk um, out? Yeah. How would that work? <laughs> one of the other family members walks the dog with the coffin. So oh, we're in okay. We encourage behind because it's a little bit safer. But yeah, just because, you know, dogs are yeah. a You've got a dog. It's part of the life. I haven't had any cats yet. Dogs seem to be more more prominent for some reason. <laughs> open open to all, all animals, though. Yeah, I don't know. I just more just sort of interesting sort of types of venues and locations and different ideas that sort of pop up. I do I do find all of our client families really interesting. So I think a lot of everyone puts a lot of different spins on things, which are really fun. And so we try and sort of learn from those experiences and see if we can incorporate that those ideas for other families as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I love that um, as well. I mean, being working in the funeral industry, not like what you do, but just being a celebrant, uh, it is fun to find out what they want. And it's even fun like to find out the music that they like to get played at their ceremony, because sometimes it's quite quirky. And have you, what has been your most requested song? If you think about it, what has been the most requested song? There's a few favorites. I mean, that um, I don't know. I can't pronounce his name, but the "Somewhere of the Rainbow" by Is, the, yes, the Hawaiian version. Everyone loves that. And then Vera Lynn for certain age groups, or the um, "What a Wonderful World" is very popular for a younger for a younger person. I think the Charlie Puth "I'll See You Again" is very yeah. popular as well. Mm-hmm. And "My Way" by Frank Sinatra. Everyone loves. A lot of people love that one. Actually. Yeah, they do. And it doesn't matter how old they are. They do. Yeah, yeah. Favorite, that's for sure. And so what is the one thing? Well, I know that you love your job because I've seen you at work and you're you're very passionate with your with your clients and with your staff members. And, and I know that you love it. But what do you love the most about your job? 
The people. So the people that I work with are one lot of people. They're an amazing group of mostly ladies that we work with and mostly I've worked with them for quite a long time and they're just lovely and you can't do a job like this if you don't have the right people surrounding you. Mm -hmm. And then the other people that I love working with are our client families. We are so blessed to have the nicest group of people that come and choose us for our services they often choose us time and time again so we get to build up a relationship and if you do build up a relationship with a funeral director that's not probably what you wanted to do but on one level it's very comforting because you know what you're getting you know the second time you come back you know how it's all going to operate you know who you're dealing with and you can really start building on that relationship again and just we've met so many interesting people I mean I have learned so much about the history of Penrith and the Blue Mountains from the client families that I've met and their family histories and I've just learned so much about different types of people and experiences, you know, from people that have gone through cancer to losing children, to losing partners, to losing parents, and just understanding and listening and learning over, you know, over the past decade, my life experience has increased. Like I would never have learned this much if I wasn't a funeral director. And just by listening to everybody else's experiences. And on top of that, they're just so nice. And so, yeah, just the people, all of the people we work with, and then all of the people we get, our our team then get to work with as well has just been really what makes us come back time and time again. Have you found that uh, families are deciding not to have a funeral, just to have a no-service cremation? Whilst the industry is finding that there is an increased trend in that area, our company hasn't found that so much. We tend to have families that choose us to have a funeral service. And there's a, a couple of reasons I believe that that might be. The first reason is... When we really, so we know a lot about grief. We know that from a grief perspective, if you don't have something, and it doesn't have to be a formal funeral or anything like that, but you need to have something to have a time to say goodbye to your loved one. So when families choose not to have a funeral, we often offer them a viewing or a small quiet time in our chapel or just something so that they can come and have a time to say goodbye. We would then encourage them to go and have maybe a lunch or something with maybe more friends so that everyone can have a chance to say goodbye. And I think because we are able to have that discussion with families and offer alternatives, we aren't really seeing that a lot. The other reason why potentially we don't see a lot of no service, no attendance funerals, which is what they're called, and basically it means that, you know, you don't see your loved one again, you just have the ashes returned to you. We believe another reason why our company maybe doesn't see so many of them is that there's a number of low-cost providers. And because we still, regardless of whether you're going to see your loved one or not, we still offer them the highest level of care and service. They will still be fully ready to have a viewing. They would still be fully hygienically prepared and all of that stuff. Our cost point for that is higher than some of the low cost providers who don't offer all of those services. So we believe that maybe we're just not getting selected for that as much. But If you're asking me for my professional opinion, you should definitely always do something to say goodbye. And if you're working with a good funeral provider, they should be able to offer you a number of different options that don't have to look like a funeral service if that's something your family doesn't want. It's interesting how people feel like the grief will be easier if they just, you know, just get it over and done with quickly. But 
You're absolutely right in what you've you've just shared there. What is the future for Grace Funerals and Blue Mountains Funerals? Is there anything that you're currently doing to stay with the trend or are you expanding? What's happening for you? Well, we have just expanded, actually. So we've just expanded onto the North Shore. So we've now got our sort of our three branches. So we've got the Blue Mountains Funerals, also known as Grace Funerals in the Blue Mountains or Blue Mountains Funerals, which is in our Springwood location. We've got Grace Funerals Penrith, which is our head office, and now Grace Funerals North Shore. So we have been expanding into um, other areas of Sydney because we believe that our funeral services, you know, they can they can go all over Sydney. So why not have offices in other locations? We are always trying to keep on top of the trends or more importantly, try and create some trends. So we're always looking for new venue options, new service providers and and new sort of options like that. We've recently updated our Grace Funerals website with some new branding and logos. So go and look at that. It's gracefunerals.com.au. We're very proud of the new direction that the brand is going in. And if anyone has any suggestions, we're always happy to listen to them because what we really want to do, what we're always trying to strive to do is to make sure that every single family has their ideal funeral. And as I've already said, that can look like a small sort of chapel service at a crematorium, or it can look like something far more elaborate, like an an evening soiree event. And we just want to do whatever anybody wants so that we can make sure that that family had the best experience that they can have. In fact, you'll find that all good funeral providers are able to be incredibly flexible with their client families and just work with them. And if you ended up with a funeral director that isn't able to do that, I would suggest probably changing funeral directors because there are a lot of um, what we'd call traditional funeral directors, which is what I am, that are able to do very non-traditional things just by listening to client families and making sure that we're all on the same page and that the client family is having the exact funeral that they want, you know, down to the colour of the you know, the flowers that they've got to the type of coffin, to the venue, to the type of music, and then anything else that you can think of, you know, anything sort of weird and wonderful and and personalised. And that's just all good funeral providers are able to do that. Yeah, no, that sounds, uh, that's that's fantastic. And I know you love your job because I've known you for many years, Asha, and, and I'm so glad that you are part of the funeral uh, industry. So was there um, any last takeaway before the this episode comes to an end? No, just um, for anyone that might be listening, if you are ever in a situation where you do need to find a funeral provider, um, my advice would be to to call around to a few different companies and go with the company that you feel the most comfortable with. Also make sure you ask that person if they're the person that you're going to meet with and it's not a call centre that you're talking to. I think it's important that for each funeral director is very different and each family is very different and you can find the correct fit. And I just say call a couple and really have a feel for who you're dealing with, probably more so than price. I'd go with the feeling of who you're dealing with because it's a very special relationship that you have with your funeral director. It's only for a few days, but it's sort of very intense. And so I think it's important that you're nice and comfortable with whoever you're dealing with. This is something that you will remember for the rest of your life. That's very good advice. So um, so thank you so much, Asha, for being on my podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Evelyn. Thank you so much for your company. Please tune in next week to Life's Rich Tapestry, where you will hear another courageous conversation spoken from the heart.